Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. Well, thank you. Welcome everyone in the room. Welcome those online. Uh, If I haven't met you before, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at LifeGate Church. And um, I just want to tell you a little bit about um, myself. So before I was a part of LifeGate, I used to be involved in uh, going to university campuses, going to high schools, uh, having conversations about faith, about who Jesus is, hearing different people's beliefs and ideas and understanding how they viewed life the world, eternity, all of that. And I I really love and I find it fascinating hearing what people value, why they believe certain things and having a a conversation around that. And I've heard a number of beliefs over those years from different people and different perspectives. For example, some people were super confident they knew what they believed, they were firm on it. And I remember one time I met someone who uh, strongly believed that in another life, they were a butterfly. Um, And another person who believed that they were a dog in another life as well. Some people had also created their own framework for beliefs where they picked a bit from this person, a bit from this religion, a bit from this author, and kind of mashed it all together. And some people, if you ask them what they believe and why, they weren't sure. They hadn't thought about what they believed or why. And so maybe you relate to one of those three. Maybe you feel like you're super confident, you're super strong about what you believe and why. Uh, maybe like others, you've kind of put, trying to put a few different things together and see what works. Um, or maybe you're not sure at all and you're asking some questions about one of those things. Well, the interesting thing is that for a lot of people... They don't really think that much about God or about eternity or what happens after we die until someone they know dies. It could be someone in the media, it could be an accident, it could be um, someone they know, but as soon as someone dies, everyone starts to think about what life is really all about and what happens after we die. See, we tend to think that we're indestructible and then one day we realize that we're not. As soon as someone dies or gets sick, and then once that person dies, people also start to develop what I would call a a feel-good statement of beliefs. So I wonder if you've ever heard the following statements from people after a tragedy or a death. Well, thankfully, they're not suffering anymore. Well, they've gone to a better place now. Or they're looking down on you always. Maybe you've heard one of these statements before. You see, it doesn't matter what people believe before this happens, but these kind of default responses tend to come out as people begin to wrestle with things that challenge their beliefs. And so I wonder for you what your experience of these situations has been, what questions you've asked in these moments, or what beliefs you have. And the interesting thing to me is that from my experience chatting with people in the world today, We can talk about spiritual things all day long. The word spiritual isn't offensive. In fact, there's an entire town like Byron Bay and shops dedicated to selling nice candles and rugs and dream catchers and stuff like that. We can talk about higher powers, 
higher beings, God as a concept or spirituality in a loose form. But when it starts to get controversial is when we talk about Jesus, which is interesting because even atheist scholars agree that Jesus is a real person that existed in history. Hardly anyone debates the existence of Jesus. Even other religions reference Jesus as a person. Even people that don't like Christianity acknowledge that he was real. The other interesting thing is that people don't really dislike his teaching of helping the poor or loving others or forgiving others or doing good in the world by serving others. Where it starts to get controversial is because of the exclusive claim of Jesus. You see, we live in a very inclusive world where all beliefs should be treated equally. Nobody should be left out. And so a lot of people believe all roads should lead to God. All world religions are basically the same. And Jesus opposes that belief when he says that he is the only way. See, this is what Jesus says in John 14, 6. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, in this very inclusive world we live in, Jesus makes an exclusive claim that he's the only way. And a lot of people still want to say, well, all roads lead to God. All religions are the same. And what I want to do today is to unpack with you why they're not the same why we should follow Jesus, and why Easter is so significant to the way that we all live our lives. And so I just want to unpack some of the basic beliefs about some of the major and different religions that exist within our world today. This isn't an extensive list, and you could talk for hours on these things, so I'm just going to go simply through a a few of the main ones. The first one is around Buddhism, where there's no God, there's no type of final existence, because we keep being reborn, countless rebirths, and eventually we hope to end the cycle. There's Hinduism, where there's an impersonal God approached through deities or statues or idols. Both Buddhism and Hinduism, there's no forgiveness of sins or supernatural help. There's only karma. In other words, what you give is what you get. There's also Islam that worships Allah, the personal God, there's no secondary gods and there's a total ban on idols and your standing depends on your devotion and your good works. You're standing before Allah. There's also Judaism, there's one God, Yahweh, and the focus is on how you live this life rather than eternity and you worship God alone to attain his blessing. And then there's some more new age uh, philosophies where there's no personal God and the goal is to be one with the universe or the cosmos. But then we get to Christianity and suddenly it starts to be a little bit different. Well, firstly, there's a personal God and that God loves his people so much. He became like them through Jesus. He lived a perfect life here on earth. He died for us on a cross And people are made right, not by going through deities or based on the good things we do, but by choosing to accept Jesus and acknowledging what he's done for us. And so as we start to look at why follow Jesus today, we can acknowledge that although there may be good and positive things in other religions, they're absolutely and completely not the same. And it makes sense as to why Jesus says he is the only way. 
And so wherever you find yourself today, I'm not asking you to consider LifeGate Church. I'm not asking you to consider me as a person because I'm letting you know I'm probably going to let you down or disappoint you at some point. I'm not even asking you to consider how Christians can live their lives in the world because we can all agree that churches and people stuff it up sometimes. Christians are not perfect and they make mistakes. All I'm going to do is ask you to consider Jesus, what he claimed, what other people said he did, what he actually did, and just look at him and see what happens. And so here's the three things I want you to consider today. The first is this, I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus. The second one is I want you to consider the resurrection of Jesus. And the third thing is I want you to consider the eternal message of Jesus. And so the first part is to consider the ministry of Jesus. And I want us to consider who Jesus came for and how he treated them. Well, Mark chapter 2 tells us essentially why Jesus came. This is what Jesus says. It says, When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So essentially, Jesus here is saying that he didn't come for those who had it all together. Jesus came for people like me who needed help and needed love and needed mercy. Jesus actually came for those that other religions rejected. When everyone else said, oh no, we're too good for them. They're not good enough. They're not clean enough. They don't live the right way. They're not holy enough. That's exactly who Jesus came for. Jesus loved those that everyone else looked down on. He welcomed those who other people turned away. Jesus didn't come for those who are perfect. Not only did Jesus come for sinners, but when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you'll be blown away by the miracles he does. By the power of God, Jesus opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He caused those who couldn't speak to speak. He multiplied a few loaves and fishes to feed thousands. And Jesus would even raise people from the dead. The thing that's interesting is that the people in the Bible who were against Jesus didn't debate whether or not he really did these things or not. They just wanted him to stop. They would say things like, what right do you have to say or do these things? And so I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus because in this room and online, there's thousands of stories of miracles. People who would say, this is who I was and this is who I am now. Stories of lives being transformed, of this not being the way I am anymore. I was a mess and I've been transformed. I was addicted and now I'm free. I was full of hatred and my heart is full of love. And that's my story. I, I, before I met Jesus, I was really uncertain of my place in the world. I really didn't feel like I belonged. I really didn't feel loved or accepted by anyone. But when I encountered Jesus, I experienced love and acceptance. The parts of my life that were full of fear and anxiety were suddenly peaceful. 
the parts of me and the doubts that I had about myself and the way that I viewed myself and the people around me was completely transformed. I went from having unhealthy relationships to healthier, stronger, more fulfilling relationships. You see, friends, we're different because of the great work of God's son, Jesus. And so we need to consider the ministry of Jesus. And so I wonder for you, what has Jesus done in your life? Or what would you like him to do in your life? And I want you to think about that. Maybe discuss it at morning tea with someone. Pray and ask God to work in your life. That's the first thing. The second thing I want you to consider is the resurrection of Jesus. And so the resurrection, why does it matter? Well, you see, Jesus was on this earth and lived completely without sin. And Jesus lived the perfect life for us. And on the cross, he took our sins upon himself. He suffered horribly. And while people, the creation, were mocking the creator as they insulted him beyond recognition on the cross. And in Luke, this is what Jesus says. He looks up to heaven and he calls out and he says this, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Now, I want you to imagine at your worst moment, your most vulnerable, your most hurt, your most ridiculed, the most amount of pain you've ever experienced. And now imagine in that moment saying to the people who are causing you to feel that pain, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. What an amazing love that Jesus has for us. Now, I get annoyed over simple things sometimes, right? Or when someone hurts me in a way that they're not meaning to hurt me. But this is complete ridicule and pain. And yet he calls out to his father and says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And in that moment, Jesus cries out the victorious cry. And Mark chapter 15 tells us this. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. So in this moment, we see a Roman centurion who was not a follower of Jesus, but saw his love, saw his sacrifice, saw his mercy, saw who he was, and he looked on and said, I didn't believe it before, but I believe it now. Surely this was no ordinary man. Surely this man was the Son of God. And then just as Jesus had predicted, he gave his life. And then three days later, he'll rise from the dead. And so three days later, the women went to the tomb where he was buried. The stone was rolled away and he was not there. And Peter, who before Jesus was killed, was denying him, was saying, I don't know this guy. Right? Later in Acts 3, we see that Peter was completely transformed because of the resurrection of Jesus, because the tomb was empty and he preached passionately about Jesus' resurrection. And he says this, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. You see, the key bit is that we are witnesses. We saw him, they said. That's why these men following Jesus were willing to risk their lives for Jesus. For the same Jesus they were denying days earlier. Because they saw the power of the resurrection and all of the Christian faith rests on the resurrection of Jesus. And see, some of the main arguments against the resurrection were people say, well, maybe robbers or the Roman soldiers of his followers stole the body. But here's the thing. They left the most valuable thing, his cloth, in the tomb. 
Well, maybe the Romans took the body. Well, if so, wouldn't they want to display Jesus' dead body and humiliate him and his followers even further? Or if the disciples stole the body, imagine these unarmed fishermen somehow overpowered and took out these trained armed Roman soldiers. Then you would have stories and testimonies of what happened. And the guards saying, this is what happened. They overpowered us. They stole the body. And can you really believe that 10 young, average, uneducated by today's standards devised the greatest scheme in history, pulled it off, kept it a secret, all at an extreme risk to their lives and cheated the world to become a better place. (laughs) Right? I don't know if you've seen any press conferences lately, but the politicians can't even get their answers straight. And we're supposed to believe that these people thousands of years ago somehow pulled off the greatest scheme in human history. See, from witnessing the empty tomb, witnessing Jesus being risen from the dead, the early church was born, 3,000 people were saved, and over 2,000 years later, there are approximately billions of people following Jesus and hundreds of thousands of churches that place their faith in the resurrection of Jesus. I want to tell a quick story. There was a youth who came along on Friday nights, and he did not want a bar of soap to do with Jesus or Christianity. He was the most closed-off person you could imagine and would sit there most of the time like this. But then um, one of our youth leaders, Justin, gave a talk where he unpacked how we can believe the Bible is true and the historical evidence for it and the historical evidence for the resurrection. And you know what? I asked him later that night, I said, you know, as we've been talking about the Bible over the last few weeks, has anything changed for you? And he said, you know what? Before, I didn't think Jesus was real, but now I know that there's all this evidence that he is. So that's the second thing. Consider the resurrection of Jesus. What do you believe about the resurrection? Do you believe it to be true? And if so, does it shape the way that you live your life? And if you want to do more research, you can check out Alpha and the Bible Project that have awesome resources on the resurrection and the evidence. The last part, as we begin to wrap up our message today, is considering the eternal message of Jesus. Lastly, I want us to consider how we are made right by God. Because this is what Romans says. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It says we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. And notice it doesn't say we're made right by being good enough by not being bad, by not saying bad things, by not yelling at our kids in the car when they're annoying or frustrating us, by not getting in a fight with our partner on the way to church. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. And here's what's written in Romans. It says, we're made right by placing our faith in Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are, this is true for all of us. It doesn't matter who you are where you've come from, what your upbringing was, what family you belong to, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've been, it doesn't matter how bad your life is messed up right now. It doesn't matter how many people you've hurt and it doesn't matter how many times you've turned away from God. You're not made right with God by you being good enough. You're made right by God because Jesus was perfect and he took your place and paid the price. You see, it's a difference between religion and relationship. Because don't miss it, Jesus did not come to start a religion. 
Jesus came to offer us eternal life. Jesus came to show us the love of God. And Jesus came so that we would be in relationship with God. See, here's a quick comparison. Religion is about you. It's about what you do. It's if I obey, then God will love me. Or if I obey, then good things will happen to me. And it's about do fill in the blank. Whereas Jesus, it's all about Jesus. It's not about what we do, but it's about what Jesus did and continues to do. It's not about us obeying and then God loves us. It's about because God loves me, I can then obey him and trust him. And it's not about do, but it's about done. And so lastly, I want us to consider the eternal message that you're not made right with God by your own works, but by the love of Jesus. And I'm so grateful for this because I'm a buffhead at the best of times. I make mistakes. I frustrate people. I get frustrated by people. And if, we, if it was about what I had to do, I would be completely stuffed. I, I might make it a day, not even a day probably, maybe a few hours. Thankfully, it's not about what we do, but it's about Jesus. And so with all that being said, I want to recap these three points we looked at. Firstly, to consider the ministry of Jesus, of what Jesus has done throughout people's lives and what he's continuing to do, and to consider maybe what you want him to do in your life. To consider the resurrection of Jesus, how we can place our faith on it, and how it shapes the way that we live our lives. And lastly, to consider the eternal message of Jesus, that it's not about what we do, but about what Jesus has done, that we can have confidence in eternity. And so I wonder for you, which of these do you need to consider today? Where do you stand and are you ready to respond to Jesus? Well, if you are, if you've heard these things, if if you've been considering these things as I've been speaking... I want to give you the opportunity because the first step is choosing to follow Jesus. And so I invite you, those in the room, those online, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me that goes like this. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for choosing to live my own way. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Amen. And so as you go today, as you go about this Easter weekend, as you spend time with family and friends, as you chat over morning tea, I invite you to consider which of these you need to consider. Which one of these stood out to you? It may be one, it may be a few. I invite you to consider those things. And as we wrap up our service, I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. So if if you'd like prayer, you can come forward after the service. Otherwise, you can head out and be released. And for those online, if you'd like prayer, you can click the request prayer button and one of our team would pray with you. Well, that's our Good Friday service, guys. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your friends and your family. I hope you have a great weekend celebrating and uh, we'll catch you on Sunday. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. 
My name is Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, uh, help you get connected and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.